Hello, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, the lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. And I just wanted to say thank you for joining us here online. It is our prayer that today's message would be helpful and meaningful to your life. If you're in the South Atlanta area, I would personally like to invite you to come to one of our services at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., or 12 p.m. We are located at 4401 Highway 155 North in Stockbridge, Georgia. You may visit our website for more information about our church at www.sccview.net. Again, that website is www.sccview.net. I want to say it again. Thank you again for listening, and I hope you have a wonderful day. It's so good to see you today. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Yes. Hey, you got some life to you today. That's awesome. So good to see you today. Well, we're continuing our series called Daring Faith. And what we're doing through this series is that we are double dog daring you to take a step of faith, to do something to grow this year. 2016, if it's going to be your year, you're going to have to do something different than you've been doing in 2015. And so today I want to talk to you about this as a title that you see on your outline is Daring to Give God My Best. Now, this word best, uh, you know, we live in an age where I think there's a lot of pressure on us not to do our best. Do you agree with that? I mean, like, have you ever tried to go the, do the extra and maybe somebody at work said, hey man, you know, what are you doing, trying to get brownie points or something, you know? I mean, maybe something like that or, or, or maybe, you know, at school, were you trying to kiss up to the teacher or... Uh, something you know, we're encouraged in those ways uh, to not do our best, and I want to tell you what that you know we should do our very best, be our best. You know, I re- of course, when I was in school, my mom, my parents told me, you know, listen, we don't expect you to maybe do what everybody else is doing, but we expect you to do your best. Whatever your best is, that's what we want you to do. And when I played sports, and my coaches would tell me. We expect you to do your best. Just do your best. Not, don't measure yourself against everybody else. You do the best that you can. And so today we want to talk about doing our best and being our best for God. So we jump right into the scripture and there's a, a, a Paul actually writes this. He's writing it to his, uh, a guy that's actually like his, uh, he's been a mentor to, Timothy. And he writes this in 2 Timothy, it says this. Endure suffering along with me as a good what? Good soldier, right? A good soldier of Christ Jesus. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for then they cannot please the officers who enlist them. And notice this, and what? Athletes, right? And athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. And then notice this, a hardworking Farmer, that's right. Now you started when you say hello. I thought you was awake today, but now you're reading these words like you sleep. So let's try it one more time. You ready? A hardworking what? Farmer. There you go. Thank you very much. Thank you. A hardworking farmer should be the first to enjoy the fruits of their labor. Think about what I'm saying. He says the Lord will help you understand all these things. So what Paul is saying is he's used, he's using these metaphors to teach us about growing in our spiritual life. And growing as a person. And let me just say this to you. In your spiritual journey, just getting by is not good enough. Let me say that one more time. In your spiritual journey, 
just getting by is not good enough. It's not good enough. You know why? Because if you just say, okay, in my, in my spiritual life, as far as my spiritual development, I'm just going to skim by, then friend, you're going to live life miserable. Because you were created to be connected to Almighty God, and without that connection growing and being vibrant, then you're going to miss out in this life. You're, you're going to be miserable because you're going to miss it. So today I want to help you. I want to help you. I want to be your coach today. I want to be the guy that if you will give me permission today, who like a football coach that we had one time, they would grab your face mask, pull you up here, and give you a shower. You know, he would give you a shower because every time that he started yelling, he'd spit on you, you know? We would say, hey, say it, don't spray it. Not to him, though. And so he pulled you up. And, you know, we knew that as part of that team, he'd pull you up. So today, I would not like to grab your face mask, but I would like to pull you in a little closer and say, if you would allow me, under God's Holy Spirit today, to be a spiritual coach and say some things to you today that's going to probably maybe sting you a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Maybe going to like, hmm. But yet, if you'll apply, will help you go up. Because I want you to move. We talked about this, I think, last week, that we want you to move from ordinary to extraordinary. And that only comes from God's Word. Okay, so the first lesson we learn is from the soldier. We're going to look at the soldier. And as we look at the soldier, I would say this. To be the best, I want you to write this down, I must define what I die for. You've got, to de- you've got to define, what is it that you're going to die for? I would even say this, you know, we're talking about a physical death here, but also even in arguments, Right? Even in the things in your life, the things, are you making a big deal over things that you shouldn't? What are the things that you're willing to die for? You know, as a, as a parent, that's something I had to learn to do. And in marriage, I had to learn to do. And as an employer, I had to learn to do. What are the things that I should really be willing to die for? And what's the thing that's not a big deal? You've got to decide that. What is that? What is that? Jesus said this. In John 15 and 13, look what he says. He said, the greatest love. Would you circle that word greatest? The greatest love is shown when a person lays down his life for his friend. Now, I want to share something with you that you may not know. But the way that you measure love is not by how you feel. Oh, you just made me feel so good. Well, you know what? I mean, that's wonderful. But tomorrow, hang around. They'll do something to make you feel bad, you know? So, love is not measured by feelings. Love is measured by the amount of sacrifice given. Did you hear that? Love love is measured by the amount of sacrifice that is given for that. Like a soldier who goes uh, and lays down their life for their country. We honor them. Why? Because they gave their all. They sacrificed their life. I mean, that's to be honored, right? That's to be honored. You know, and for a parent who has a child with special needs... And that gives of themselves countless hours. They devote them, themselves to caretaking for that child. I want to tell you, that's real love. That's love. Like, like many of us will never know, it's love. Or for the, or for the husband or the wife whose, whose spouse get, you know, becomes sick or, or you know, maybe disabled somehow. And yet they devote themselves to taking care of them. That's love. That's real love, right? I mean, listen, real love is not how you feel, it's what you sacrifice. And therefore, you know, when a couple has been married, you know, 20, 30, 40, and 50 years, 
You want to, I'll tell you what's went on in that marriage. It's sacrifice because someone's had to deny themselves, right? And the, and the other person had to deny themselves in order that they may grow together. It's not about a feeling. It's about what you give up that you sacrifice for that person. So that's real love, right? I mean, Jesus went to the cross, the greatest love one. He gave his life. It's a sacrifice. He loved you this much. So love is determined by the sacrifice, I would say. Now, let me just share one more thing with you here, the second one. Go ahead. To be the best is this. Number two, I must sacrifice my comfort. I must sacrifice my comfort. Okay, I want to be your coach, so I want you to just look right up here at me. If you're going to be great, you've got to get this out of your mind. It's not going to be easy. Anything that great that happens is never easy to do. It's never easy. If, it, listen, if it was easy to be great, everybody would be great. It's not easy. It's not, anything that's great, whether it be a marriage or being a parent or being an employer or being a child, it's not, it's not easy. A student at school, it's not easy to be great. You have to work hard. You agree with that? I mean, great, great is not easy, is it? I mean, you know, it's easy to be average and it's easy to be below average, but it's hard to be great. And so God is calling us to be great, to step out of our comfort zone. It reminds me of the soldier again. The soldier realizes that when he goes into battle or she goes into battle, that it, they're going to a place that's, that's not comfortable. They're going to live in places that they've never lived live like on normal circumstances. And my brother served two tours in Iraq. And he said, Jeff, I'm telling you, while I was over there, he said, I never want to see the grain of sand again. He said, you know, it was so uncomfortable. He said, you had, you had sand on every part of your body all the time. It was, it, was, it was miserable living in the desert, in those tents. But they put themselves out there. And so I want to encourage you today is to think, you know what, I've got to be willing to do this. Matter of fact, the Bible says this in 2 Timothy again, 2 and 3. He says, endure hardships like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. And by the way, if you're a Christian today, you enlisted in God's army. Hello, let me, let me just remind you of that one more time. Okay, if you have asked Jesus to come in your life and save you, then I don't know if you know this or not, but you enlisted in Jesus' army, right? Okay, okay, just make sure you know that. It reminds me of a, st a story that I was re uh, heard about a couple years ago. There was these five missionaries uh, led by a guy by the name of Jim Elliott. Jim Elliott uh, was married. He had a, uh, uh, a wife and a, a daughter. And Jim uh, had four of the guys that they wanted to go into uh, Ecuador. And they, they actually moved to Ecuador. And they was, they was there doing missionary work to those people in the Amazon there. And there was one tribe in the, in the uh, Amazon that was called the uh, Achaia tri tribe. And they actually were this tribe that was a, nobody was able to reach them with the gospel. And so they were known to be a tribe that would very, defend their territory. And so they began uh, to build relationships and they started, you know, would find a tribal member and they would try to, and when they were outside of their, their uh, tribal area, they would try to be good to them and so forth. And they started building a relationship with one particular individual from that tribe. He began to learn English and, and they thought, man, we're making headway. And so they decided that they were going to go in and try to land on the beach outside of where that tribal's territory was. And they would go in, these five missionaries, and go live among them. 
Well, before they took the flight, the guy that had been, they had been working with went back into the tribe and began to lie about the missionaries and told them all kinds of lies about them. And when Jim Elliott and his plane landed with those five guys, they get off the beach and here these ten warriors are there to greet them and they, they start to try to give them gifts and immediately they murder them. Jim and his the other four guys were murdered. He gave his life for what he believed in. He's willing to move out of his comfort zone. Listen to what Jim said in his diary. It said this. He is no fool who gives up that which he cannot keep for that which he cannot lose. That's the heart of a missionary to say, you know what, I have a purpose in life. But that's not the end of the story. The story goes on that, that this happened like in 1959. And that after that they had done the funerals of the missionaries and they had mourned them, his wife was so passionate about the mission that her husband had started and his daughter, that they actually began, she, the, the wife and the daughter and one of the sisters of the other missionaries got together and they decided that they would themselves try to advance into that territory. And so they themselves got a team together and they went and they actually moved into where the tribal area was and for some reason, after the murders had happened, that God had softened their heart and those tribal people did not kill her. Matter of fact, she, Jim Elliott's wife met the, the, uh, the chief of the tribe and actually led him to Jesus Christ. God saved him, changed his life. He became a preacher for Jesus Christ on that whole continent and began to share the gospel of Jesus. And thousands of people come to Jesus Christ. Why? Because one man was willing to say, I'll lay down my life for my cause because I'm willing to be uncomfortable and take that charge. And see, today, ask, ask yourself, what are you willing to give your life for? What is it? Maybe God's not asking you to, go, to do something like that, but in your area, what is that right now? What do I need to change so that I can give my life for something that has meaning and value? Okay, that takes us to number three. Number three is this, I must eliminate distractions. Would you write that down? If I'm going to be great, I've got to eliminate distractions. Again, Paul in 2 Timothy 2 and 4, he says, Soldiers don't get tied up. Would you circle that word, those two words, tied up? Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. That is so key. Now, I want to ask you a question. Many of you, many of you have a dream, and, and listen, I, if you're still living, you should have a dream. God wants to use your life. We talked about that last week. But what I want to say to you is that many of us have dreams that we want to accomplish, but there's a problem is that we are tied to something. There's something that is connecting us, that's tying us down. It may be a thing or a person. They may have us da held down, and we feel like that we cannot, you know, we're underwater and we're, we're almost to the surface, but about the time we get to the surface, there's a rope attached to our ankle that's keeping us from being what God wants us to be. And we feel like that we're drowning because we can't be what God wants us to be and we're so dissatisfied on the inside and we're just, we're so uh, and not at rest on the inside because we're not what God wants us to be and we're not living the dream that we have. And the reason is, is because we're connected to something that's distracting us. That's pulling us down. And again, maybe it's a person or maybe it's an addiction or, or maybe it's a habit. Something is keeping us down. And so today I want to challenge you as your coach today, 
I want to challenge you to do some inventory and figure out what exactly is that in my life? What is it that's holding me down? You know, I could soar if I could do this. Maybe your issue is time management. Maybe you're horrible at it. Can you take a class and by taking that class, cut the rope that, that is holding you down? Maybe, maybe you need to learn a foreign language, you know, to do what you want to do. And maybe you could take a class and that would be cutting the rope that's holding you down. Or maybe that you're connected to some people that every time you try to climb out, they pull you back down. They're sort of like crabs, you know. You know, like, I don't know about this, but in New England, some people tell me that, that when you go crab fishing, you know, you go out there and you catch a crab and you put it in the bucket. And if there's just one right there, you have to put the lid on the bucket. But if you catch two of them, you don't have to worry about that. You catch two crabs and you don't even have to put a lid on it because every time one of them starts to go out, the other one pull it back down. Some of you got some crabby friends. You need to upgrade, baby. Okay. And so listen to this quote that I lived by a guy by the name of uh, Finer. He wrote this book, uh, Finer Points of Leadership. I read this a couple of weeks ago, and I like to read it to you. Listen to what he says. Most of us, most of us, for most of us, the certainty of misery is more desirable than the misery of uncertainty. One more time. For most of us, the certainty of misery is more desirable than the misery of uncertainty. Isn't that the truth? Is that, okay, I know that we're dysfunction, but I'm comfortable in this dysfunction. And so I'm going to be comfortable, be, I'm going to be comfortable knowing that what I'm doing is not going to make me happy, it's not going to give me peace, it's not going to bring satisfaction, but I am comfortable where I am. Most people are, live in misery instead of reaching out beyond the unknown and taking a step of faith and doing something they've never done before in order that they may get out. You know, there's people, some of you grew up with people saying you'll never be... You'll never be this. You'll never be that. You're only this and you're only that. And they've labeled you and put you in that cage. But I want to tell you, by the Holy Spirit of God today, I want you to break out of that cage and say, you know what? I can do this. Let me tell you something. You know, if you keep doing the same old thing that you've always done, and you're expecting your life to get better, you know what, you know what the definition of that is? A nut. Insanity, right? I mean, isn't that insanity? If you're, insanity is doing the same old thing over and over again and expecting a different result. That's called insanity. So listen, man, you, you know, you need some help. And I'm trying to help you today to say, stop that cycle. Begin to focus your life and say, I've got to stop doing what I've always done. I've got to do something different. And that's why I challenge you. You know, getting in a connect group is a great way to do that, to break that cycle, because you just move out of your comfort zone. People are there to help you. And I would encourage you, they're sending you inside of your program to do that. Okay, so here's my question for you before we move on. What do you need to give up that you may go up? What is it? What habit? What relationship? Now, I've got to give a disclaimer here because when I started talking about relationships, some of you said, yeah, I've been chained to this rascal for 20 years. I'm ready to get rid of him. Thank you. No, 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 no. Don't get rid of your spouse, right? Okay, so let's look at the lessons from the athlete. Here we go. The lesson from the athlete, number one, is this. To be great, I must discipline myself. I must discipline myself. Paul goes on and he talks about this in 1 Corinthians. He says this. 
In a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets first prize. So run the race to what? To win. So the Bible is not about, oh, we want to make everybody feel good, so we don't have any winners here. We just have participants. Are you kidding me? No, he said, you run this race to win. He goes on to say, to win the contest, you must deny yourself many things that would keep you from doing your what? Your best. So there's some things in your life that seem to be good, but they're holding you down, is what he's saying. An athlete goes to all this trouble just to win a blue ribbon or a silver cup. But we do it for a heavenly reward that never disappears. And so what, I, what he's saying is this, if you're going to be like an athlete, you cannot live by your feelings. I know, you know, everybody wants to live by, well, I just don't feel like it. I just don't feel like, well, I'm just not feeling it today. Let me tell you something. If you live by your feelings, man, you're going to be miserable. You know, in the summertime, you know, when my grass is growing in my front yard and my back, I never feel like cutting the grass. You know, but it's amazing that once I get out there and I get all my stuff out and I start cutting the grass, you know, as I'm cutting that grass, all of a sudden I start feeling better about my grass. And I start feeling better about my accomplishment. And after I get it done, you know what? I go and I parade Rhonda right out of the house. I said, now, honey, just look at this yard. And she looks at that yard. She says, Jeff, you're the best grass cutter I know. Honey, you are so good at that. You edge that yard so good. You weed eat so. Honey, I don't know any other man could do like you. You're my man. And after all that, I feel like it. See what I'm talking about? The reason I tell you that, if you live by your mood, you'll be an old prude. Mm -hmm. Yep, if you live by your mood, you're going to be miserable. See, this is what I want you to know. I say it over and over again. I'm going to say it one more time today. Immature people have to feel it first, and then they do it. Matter of fact, I would say most of the time the feelings that they get and then when they act on their feelings are usually wrong. But mature people, spiritually mature people, people like you that are mature, they do it and then they feel it. You see, mature people understand this, that I do good and then I feel good. You hear that? Mature people understand, I do good and then I feel good. I do it and then I feel it. Immature people say, well, i got to feel it before I do it. Man, that is fickled as you can be. You have to learn to act in spite of your feelings. This is something that I've learned and I want to pass it on to you as your coach today. This is what I've learned. The pain of, dis the pain of discipline is much better than the pain of regret. The pain of discipline is much better than the pain of regret. Because the pain of regret is always greater than the pain of discipline. And so what I'm challenging you to do today is your coach, your spiritual coach, is I'm challenging you to step it up a little bit. I would tell you this, that, you know, we talk about our core four. And I have it inside of your program. I'm hoping that you're putting these everywhere you can. I'm putting it in your program every week. Our core four, these are spiritual goals that we have, monthly goals that we have. Why would we have that? Because I'll tell you why. Is that what I found to be true is the more that I get into God's Word, and the more that I read God's Word, you know what one of the Bible says, one of the fruit of the Spirit is, is self-control. 
The more that I read God's Word and the more God's Word gets in me, this is what happens. I become more self-disciplined. I'm, I'm able to, to accomplish things that I normally couldn't because I'm able to push myself a little bit more and it's God's Holy Spirit's power and it only happens as you read God's Word, as you grow in God. You see, He helps make you and gives you the courage that when everybody else is saying, oh, I'm just too tired or I just can't do this or I just can't, let me tell you something, there's something inside of you that says it needs to be done. And do it. And then once you do it, after you do that, when everybody else has quit, guess what? You stand out big time because you didn't quit. we got too many quitters in our world, don't we? Oh, it's too hard. It's too hard. It's too hard to be a daddy. It's too hard to be a husband. It's too hard to be a student. It's too hard. You hear that all the time. It's too hard. So we just quit. God's raising, wants to raise up a generation that doesn't quit. We know how to hang in there, baby. We're not going anywhere. We're still here. We're staying, the, we're staying the course. We're going to keep fighting the good fight of faith. Listen, we're going to hang in here. We're going to show our kids what it's like not to quit. That's just great preaching. I'm sorry. Okay, look at the number two. Under the lesson of the athlete. To be the best, I must stay focused on the reward. Hebrews 2 and uh, 12 and 2 tells us this. Let us keep our eyes fixed on who? On Jesus. Now notice this. On whom our faith depends from beginning to end. Now notice this next part. He did not give up because of the what? Look at me just a second. Let me ask you a question. What is the one thing in your life right now that will make you quit? What is it that's, that's so overwhelming in your life right now that you're willing to quit? You're right on the verge right now because of this one thing. Is it a health issue? Is it a relationship issue? Is it an issue with your job that ain't working out? And so you just feel like that you're just going to give up everything because that one issue. And the Bible says that Jesus knew the cross was coming, but he didn't quit. He decided that he would finish the course no matter if they would beat him to death. They would put a crown of thorns in his head. They stick a stick of spear in his side. He said, I know what's coming my way, but I'm not going to quit. See, that's the spirit of Christ right there. He goes on to say this. On the contrary, because of the joy that was waiting for him, he thought nothing of the disgrace of dying on the cross. And he, he is now seated at the right hand side of God's throne. Jesus, now, Jesus saw what was coming his way. He knew that if he could in, he, if, when he endured that cross, he knew there wouldn't be many days that he'd take his place in heaven with God. I'm going to tell you, and us, we on this earth, we're running the race, and we have to endure our cross. And many of us have, you know, we have physical ailments we have to deal with. There's many of us that have many things that we have to deal with in this life. But I want to tell you, this is not all there is. One of these days, we're going to finish our race. One day that Jesus may sound, the angel may sound the trumpet, and we go to heaven and be with God, or we're going to die. And when we lay down this body, I'm telling you what, I'm, we're getting a brand new body. And when you get to heaven, you know what? We're going to have time to rest and enjoy all the wonderful things. This is not all there is. We're running a race to win the prize, the great prize of all, and that is eternity. Amen, amen, amen. amen. So I have a next step for you to take. Here it is. You ready? It says, I will choose the pain of discipline over the pain of regret. What area of your life do you need to do that in? Choose it. And you'll win the prize. It'll bring the rewards. Okay, the lessons from the farmer. So to be great, 
if I want to be great, I must plant generously in faith. I must plant generously in faith. Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians. He says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get what kind of crop? A small crop. In other words, if you want to reap, you've got to sow. Too many people want to reap and have never sown. There's too many people in our society today want to take what we've sown. Okay, amen or oh me. You know, you do all the work, Daddy, and then give me all your money. Huh? No, no, no. Uh-uh. You heard about the boy that went to college, right? And back then they didn't have telephones, and so he had to he, he had to send a, a a wire transfer. You know, a little what do you call it? The little telegram. That's right. Thank you very much. See, all of us are smarter than any of us, right? That's why I have you. And so, sending a telegram. So anyways, he sent this. He said, Dear Dad, no mun, no mun, no fun, your son. <laughs> His dad received that telegram, and he tapped it back. And he said, Too bad, so sad, your dad. <laughs> That's right, baby. Eh, you ain't getting all I got. You got to go to work. Jesus picks this up. Look what Jesus, Jesus gives a promise about this. Jesus said, give and you will what? Receive. If you don't give, what do you get? Nothing. <laughs> he promised you nothing. Give and you will receive. He goes on to say, your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you what? You get back, that's right. We, we know these terms, and the Bible says you reap what you sow, but in the world we know it as this. What goes around? That's exactly right. It comes around. Here's what I want to tell you. The biblical principle is this. This is it. Is that the world says you get, and then you give. But God says you give of what you already have, and then you get. You see that? So many people are saying, you know, well, when this happens for me, then I'm going to do this. When this happens for me, I'm going to do this. When this happens, no, 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 you missed it. You're going to be waiting your whole life. You know, you'll be right before you take your last breath. You're going to say, well, when this happens to me, I'm going to... You're going to leave this world like that. <laughs> but when you take God's way, and you say this, I'm going to give... What I already have, even if it's small or not, I'm going to give. And the Bible says when you give, you get. Not when you get, you give. There's a couple in our church that have learned this principle. Today I'd like you to watch their story of Bruce and Brandy Hopius. Watch this. Hi, my name's Bruce and this is my wife Brandy. Hi, we first came to SEC in the fall of 2008. Um, we came to SEC, well, I came to SEC um, because of a, I was looking for a place for my daughter. Um, she enjoyed drama. So um, SEC came up in the Google search. So I knew it was right around the corner from where we lived. So. We came one Sunday because she had a drama meeting. Um, and it, 
happened to be the Sunday that um, Tawny and Brandon were given their Financial Peace University testimony. I signed us up for um, Financial Peace. Um, and we've been coming ever since. Um, in the midst of a financial storm. Um, living on 100% of, of um, our income, we became, basically, we were $100,000 in debt. Um, and that was living on 100%. Um, when I told Bruce the extent of our debt, um, I think we were outside. Um, and he... I fell down to the driveway because it was too much for me to bear. But then after coming to SEC um, and surrendering totally and giving God his 10%, living on 90, and um, during that time also going from two incomes to one, um, we're completely out of debt, except for our house. Um, but our house was not a part of that number. That 100000 is um, strictly credit card debt. We're now debt-free except for the house. I mean, we managed to, you know, still live pretty good. I mean, as soon as we started tithing and everything like that, we... we I mean, there were some stressful times, but we, we still, for the amount we owed, the stress was reduced, and we were still able to do things. We still took kids on vacations. We still were able to have Christmas for them. When we got, gave, gave God his, his 10% and we decided to trust in him to provide, he did. He came through. Like uh, I've heard Pastor Jeff say, is that, you know, this is the only thing God says test me on. And test him. Test him. It's, it's worked for us. I mean, we've never had anything to worry about. We've never had to worry about food on the table, a job, nothing. We've always gotten what we needed. So we, um, we challenge you. Um, just take that step of faith. Take the tithe challenge. You've got nothing to lose. Um, I, I promise you will see blessings. Wow. Did you hear that? $100,000 in credit, over $100,000 in credit card debt. Brandy told me that one of their minimum payments was $800 a month on a credit card. Minimum payment on one. And she said, without God, living on 100% of my income, we managed to go over $100,000 in debt on credit cards, and we couldn't get out. What she didn't tell you is that they tried to call these credit counseling places, and they couldn't help them. But one Sunday, she ended up sitting here to watch her daughter. And there was a couple that gave their testimony on the stage about God, what I'm about to share with you. And they made a decision, a life-changing decision. We're going to trust God. And so today I'm going to ask you, I'm going to give you a challenge today that I give 
every year, about twice or three times a year. It's called the Tithes Challenge. I have the verse Malachi 3.10 and 11 in your, in your outline but, or in your program. And you'll see down below that is the, there's called the 90-Day Tithe Challenge. What this is is that we ask you, if you want to trust God with your tithe, that means bringing 10% of your income to the local church that you attend. And if this is it, this would be the one that you give it to God through your local church. He promises that he will bless you. He promises that. And so this is what, I, what we would say to you. Say, okay, if you want to take that challenge, you're nervous, I know that you're scared because you're going to be like some... You know, some people I talked to said, you know what, I wrote everything down on paper and there's just no way it could work. And one man told me, he said, you know what I had to finally do? I just threw that paper away and said, you know what, God, I'm going to trust you. And all of a sudden it started working. So today I want to challenge you to the 90-day child challenge. Again, if I could do anything to help you financially, this would be it. And so it's not personal to me, so if, if, it's, if it's not you, don't worry about it. But today, if you'd like to take that challenge, I ask you, all you got to do is just check the box on the, on the uh, connection card. It says, I want to take the tithe challenge, and we're going to pray for you every day, and we're going to believe that God's going to show you a miracle. Now, here's the deal. If at the end of 90 days, you say, Pastor, it didn't work for me, or it caused us a hardship. I'm in worse shape than I was before we started. Look at me. Everybody look at me. We'll give you money back, everything you gave. You just got to give it in an envelope where we can note it, or you give it online where we note it. And then we'll give you every dime that you gave back. It's God's guarantee. I've been making this for over 18 years, and I know your questions. How many times have you given it back? Four times in 18 years. But I will do anything. I will do anything to, to help God's Spirit move in your life and get you free. I will do anything that you may be free. I will do it to help you. Bruce and Brandy are a story. We got story after story after story after story because it takes you to trust God. And if I can get you to trust God, it's, it, the sky's the limit as to what can happen to your life. And so this is the first step. So I challenge you to that today, to take the tithe challenge, if that's you. Again, it's no pressure. I just want you to know, if you want to, if you want to do it God's way, here's an opportunity, and I'll help you. All right? Would you stand with me now? Let me pray for you. $100,000. Oh, by the way, let me tell you something. Uh, this is very important. They didn't pay that all off in one day. It took them six years. And you know what they did? They agreed to give God his 10%, and then they agreed to, guess what? To learn a little bit more about his word, so they went to Financial Peace University. And we offer that. It's coming up in February. And if you're in a financial train wreck right now, or you need to know a little bit more about money, you're not doing so good, I would say today the wisest thing you could do is sign up for that class. It would be the best investment that you ever make. I would challenge you to do that. Can you tell I love you? Yeah, I mean, I just want you to, I want you to be better. I don't, I don't want you to be strapped down, tied up. I want you to be free in every way. I want your relationships to soar. I want you to soar financially. I want you to be free. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, God, I love these people. You do too. And Lord, we're going to, this year's our year. We've got to do so. We've got to cut the ropes, God. Some people have been so smothered down with financially. Lord, they can't have any romance in their marriage because they're fighting about money all the time. So God, today, I'm, we're offering freedom to them. Lord, there, there, there's people that are just so bogged down, God, in, in, in oppression and 
Lord, that they, they don't have, they haven't disciplined themselves. And God, today you want to give them a dose of your Holy Spirit that they may do that. Father, I pray that you let us become like the soldier who knows what we will die for, oh Lord. And that we become like the athlete, God, that makes our body, Lord, submissive to our spirit instead of our spirit submitting to our body. And God, that we would be like the farmer who says, we're going to plant seeds that we may grow, that our children may have a harvest years to come, and our church may have a harvest years to come. We're going to sow into your kingdom, oh God, and we're going to see you do great and mighty things, Lord. We put our lives in your hands. We say we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Our prayer team's coming down. They'll be here to pray with you. I hope you enjoyed the message today. I would like to stop right here and offer an opportunity for you to say a special prayer. If you're listening today and you're not a Christ follower, I would encourage you to pray this prayer. And it simply says this. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior, guide my life and help me to do your will if you prayed that prayer today would you email me my email address is jeffdaws1 at sccview.net the spelling of my name is j-e-f-f d-a-w-s the number one at s-c-c-v-i-e-w dot net Again, thank you for joining us today. And by the way, if you'd like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church that others may hear the good news of Jesus, I would challenge you to go to our website at www.secview.net and click the Give link at the top of the web browser. And there's many ways that you can give there. Again, thank you so much for joining us today. It is our pleasure to come to where you are and share the gospel. God bless you.